This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye, baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line, drive, this game is over! Goodbye, baseball! Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Great to have you with us in what is going to be a big, big week for the Mariners. Off day today for the Mariners here on Monday, and then, well, it's still a huge day for the Mariners, even though they're not playing. And this is how things set up. The Mariners off today, two against the Padres, and then four coming up against the Oakland A's. Needless to say, that series is going to be massive, but... What leads up to this series is likely to be just as big as the Mariners have a chance to get close, depending on how things shake out in these next three days. Off day-to-day Mariners, two against the Padres. Meanwhile, the A's are playing the Houston Astros starting on Monday for the first of three games. If you're a Mariners fan, You're cheering for the Astros to try and take down the Oakland A's. The A's now a game and a half behind the Astros in the division. Houston 80 and 50. They've won five in a row, getting healthy now. The A's 79 and 52. They've won three in a row after losing game one to the Minnesota Twins on the road. They won the next three. Meanwhile, the Mariners 74 and 57. Six and a half back of the division. Now five back of Oakland for the wild card. It was a good weekend for the Mariners, facing a very good Arizona team. A lot happened in the weekend, including some history made along the way. So let's dive into the weekend and then talk about what comes up next. Game one of the series, the M's put six runs on the board in the first ball game, three runs for the Diamondbacks. Edwin Diaz steals the show by setting an all-time Mariners record. The 2-2 on the way, slider, swing and a miss for strike three. Sugar with a save. How sweet it is, number 49 on the year for Edwin Diaz. He gets a hug from his catcher, Mike Zunino, between the mound and home plate as the Mariners beat the Diamondbacks here in Phoenix tonight by a score of 6-3. Save number 49 for Eddie. As he takes care of the Diamondbacks, one, two, three. Here in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Mariners take game one of the three-game series and the opening game of this nine-game road trip. Save 49, the all-time Mariners record. So What a season he's had. So impressive. Erasmo Ramirez, speaking of impressive, six innings of one run ball, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, Mitch Hanniger stays hot. He had three hits in the ballgame. 
The Mariners take game one of the series. There was a thriller in game two. Mariners down to their final out. Kyle Seeger at the plate, and he extends the ball game <laughs> in a pretty amazing fashion. Runners get their leads, and the 0-1 to Seager. Swing and a line drive, right field line. It's a fair ball into the corner. Segura will score. Romine to third, being waved in. Up with the ball, Souza. The throw-in cut up by Marte. Relay home, not in time. Romine slides in safely. Kyle Seager in its second with a two-out, two-run double. And the Mariners have tied this game at 3-3. Three to three. Three to three, it would go to extra innings in the 10th. Denard Span facing Diekman, lefty on lefty. Diekman so tough on lefties. It did not matter to Denard Span. Diekman sets at the belt buckle, delivers. Swing, and this is cracked deep out to right field. Susan to the track, to the wall, into the swimming pool. Splash down in right field. It is gone, and Denard Span has given the Mariners a lead in the top of the 10th inning. Denard Span did it, and what's even more impressive, how he did it, he did it with a broken bat. I actually broke the, the bat um, when we were at home against Houston. Um, I meant to get rid of the bat, but somehow it got mixed in with my other bats, and it made it on the road trip, and... Before the first game of the series, um, I noticed that I had brought it down to the dugout on accident because it was in my bat bag. Um, but I didn't, I didn't use it the first day. I noticed that it was broken, and I told, I gave it to the bat boy to to get rid of it and to put it aside. Put it aside, exactly, <laughs> and uh, for him to get me another bat, and that's what he he did. And and uh, yesterday with me not starting, um, I, I brought I brought two bats from my bat bag down but I didn't put him in the cubby hole and when I got called in the pinch hit my first at bat I noticed that there was a bat in my cubby hole so I just assumed that the bat boy it was a new you know a new bat that he got it from my bat bag and put it down there and so hit the home run come back and <laughs> he's looking the bat boy looks at me and he looks at the bat and he goes where did you get this bat from I'm like from the you know he's like did you get the bat from such and such I'm like, yeah. And he goes, that was, I was trying to hide it from you. <laughs> and and sure enough, the bat, you know, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't severed, but it had a crack in the handle. Yeah. Have you ever hit a home run with a cracked bat before and hit it that far? It landed in the pool. Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. I try not to go up there with a broken bat. I have gone up there with a broken bat before, but never hit a home run. It's pretty amazing. Denard Span going deep, and then Edwin Diaz, how about number 50? Diaz trying to save another one-run game. Here's the pitch to Marte. Swing and a lift out to the gap in left center field. Span over. Hanniger over as well. Mitch leaps, and he makes the catch on the warning track to end the ball game. And the Mariners escape the desert in game two in the 10th inning. Scott Service, you better get cozy up to that barber's chair. Eddie's Clippers are coming for you. His 50th save of the season no Mariners closer has ever reached this milestone on August the 25th of 2018. Edwin Diaz notches his 50th save of the season, and it nails down a Mariners 4-3 win against the Diamondbacks. Pretty amazing. Edwin Diaz, it's been a remarkable run, and here's what Eddie said after that ball game. 
little extra work, Edwin, but I think this one was well worth it. No, it was a great game, you know, get a couple of bases in a row, you know, get the ground, big ground ball to, to, to see, get down at home, and then I battled, you know, I get my two outs. You battled. What were you battling out there? It looked like Nick was giving you quite an at-bat there. You know, they was ready for me today, you know. They, you know, Ahmed, I think, took me a great A-B, you know, to strike, battle, battle, get the fly ball. And then, you know, Marte, he scared me a little bit. He double pretty good. So, you know, it was a great win for us today. That's your manager right there. He knows what's coming. Yeah, he knows he's coming to Herco, so be ready in San Diego. San Diego, you got the barber. It's number 50. You got the barber flying in to San Diego. Yeah, I got the barber flying in. I will call him today after the game right now. You know, you, you tried to, yesterday you set the club franchise record. Today you get the 50th. You try and keep it all in perspective. But when Scott Service says back in April, hey, challenges you to 50, what were you thinking at that moment? You know, I say, I take it, you know, because I know I have nothing to lose. You know, that put me a little bit more to came every night to the game and battle and battle, try to get the win for the Thing, you know, and I guess the, the, I get the 50 saves, so you know I feel happy about that. Okay, 50 saves and 28 one-run saves. What have you learned about the one-run save? You know, it's tough, but you know, if I if I make my pitch, I come on my fastball pretty good. You know, I got a chance to win because you know nobody's perfect here, so I just try to come to the game and try to have fun. Lastly, everybody wants to know what's that haircut gonna look like? You know, like mine with the line that on the on the on the side of my hair on my hair, so it has to be ready. <laughs> Edward, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot wait to see that. We'll see it in San Diego. Mariners would not get game three of the series as Arizona beats the Mariners in game three. One bad inning for Mike Leake, including a Goldschmidt three-run home run, who the Mariners kept pretty quiet in the series, but a big blast on Sunday, 5 to the final. The good news is the Mariners take the series against a first-place team. The bad news is with the A's winning all three against Minnesota, Mariners actually lose ground over the weekend. Now off day, taking on the Padres for two. Here's Scott's service after the final game, wrapping up the Sunday game and the series. Yeah, certainly, you know, we put some pressure on them late. Uh, game, you know, game of inches, this whole series, you know, all the games are real hard fought. Um, you know, we got a few things to go our way last night today. You know, not so much, you know, uh, couple of plays to get obviously the, the infield hit Peralta got in, in the, the inning that they got the runs off off us there certainly hurt extended the inning and then you know Goldschmidt did the damage and then you know Hanniger hits the ball smokes the ball right at the third baseman late you know um, we did put some pressure on him we had our chances there late just not enough the inning for Lake in, in the third league is only bad and only gave it one other hit outside of that third inning. Uh, what did you see there kind of location-wise? Yeah, I thought Mike threw the ball pretty good today. I thought as the game went on, he, he got better. Uh, the ball was at the bottom of the strike zone more. Left a couple pitches up, but, you know, he just threw the ball fine. Just uh, just the one inning got him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Granke was good. You know, mixed in the, the slow curveball with a really good changeup today and, and had us off balance on there. But, uh, again, good good series. You know, hard-fought series. Every game was could have gone either way. Um, and we were right there at the end today, hopefully trying to get a sweep out of here. It just didn't happen. I look like your, your pitchers had executed against Goldschmidt pretty well for the entire series. He hadn't done a whole lot until that. Yeah, I mean, we made a mistake. I mean, we were trying to get in and to open up the outer part of the plate, just didn't get the ball quite enough in. And obviously, he's an accomplished hitter, one of the best in the National League, and, and he made his pay today. All right, and that sets the table for a big three days. Now, Marco Gonzalez has gone on the disabled list for the Mariners, so he was expected to start game two of the series against the Padres. 
Game one, Felix Hernandez will get the ball. He'll go against Jacob Nix. Padres this year, you look at the West, and it's been it's been a great division. The NL West, it's been a fight, and the Mariners now have seen everybody except for San Diego. Arizona still in first place by a game over Colorado. The Dodgers in the mix as well. They're nine games above five hundred, two and a half games out. San Francisco now, they've fallen below five hundred by a couple of games. The Padres have been the team that has struggled. They've lost five in a row. They're 50-83 and 83 now on the season. This is a couple of huge games coming up for the Mariners and a couple of games they really want to get heading into the Oakland series. A chance to gain some ground on the A's with uh, the uh, A's playing the Astros. So a couple of critical games coming up against a team that's really struggling. Of course, now the Mariners without a starter on Wednesday. We'll see how that option will fall or who will take the ball on Wednesday with Marco Gonzalez going down. We know that James Paxton will most likely be ready, but they want him to start against the Oakland A's, so we'll see how that all plays out. Now the Padres will start Jacob Nix in the first game of the series. Nix, a rookie, just three big league games under his belt. He has a 6-1-7 ERA, 11 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed eight earned runs. So his last time out was in Colorado. That was on the 22nd. He's in the rotation now, went five innings, only allowed three earned runs. The time before that against Arizona, two-thirds of inning, five runs. But the first time out, the 10th, against the Phillies, pitched really well. Six innings of scoreless ball against the Phillies. So hard to know exactly what we'll see from Knicks here in game one of the series against the Mariners and Felix Hernandez. So a couple of critical games coming up against the Padres. So the Mariners look to take two before the huge series against Oakland coming up this weekend. Right now, why don't we hear from Mel Stottlemyre Jr., get his thoughts on Edwin Diaz and Wade LeBlanc, who pitched really well in the Arizona series as well. Big question right now. Eddie Diaz with 50 saves on the year. Scott Service has to get a fancy haircut. What about you? Yeah, I love I love the fancy haircut. I'm looking forward to witnessing that and probably putting that on videotape and Facebook and everything else. But what a, a dramatic win for us last night. You know, Denard Spann is such a professional hitter and just watching what he's meant to this ball club. And, you know, it shows the character of, of our guys. And everybody understands where we're at right now. You know, it's, it, it is playoff season and we have something to play for and uh, bring in Eddie Diaz in last night for his 50th save and get to watch the skipper get a haircut in San Diego. There you go. How remarkable is that? Here's a kid, Edwin Diaz, who only a couple of years ago was starting at AA in uh, Tennessee, and somebody says, you know, we want to make you a reliever, and now he has 50 saves in the major leagues. He's on a record pace to try to uh, surpass maybe Francisco Rodriguez, who had 62 saves with the Angels back in 2008. How has this kid been able to handle up to not only the pressure but the workload uh, he's just been phenomenal really is incredible when you you take a look at it and you know we live it every day with him and we watch what he's gone through so uh you know I, I still appreciate what what he's he brings to the table and uh, where he's come from you know you you look at the career of Mariano Rivera and coming up as a starter and then kind of being groomed you know in New York 
uh, as a setup guy and then working himself in. Eddie got thrown into the fire a little bit here and didn't, you know, always have a guy at the back end to, to, to teach him. So he's the way that he's handled it, you know, the lessons that he's learned and, you know, some of the roadblocks and hurdles that he's ran to ran into and, and had to fight, it's made him who he is today. And he truly is one of the mo- most dominating guys at the back of a game. And any time we can hand the ball to him, you know, the, not only the numbers show it, but we, we feel good as a ball club. It's special stuff, and he's learned how to pitch. Yeah, yeah he's so much more under control. Last year were the times where, you know, he would lose that control, but it was a, a learning process, you know, for him. What's been the biggest difference in that regard from Eddie last year to Eddie this year? You know, it really comes down for me to maturity. And uh, there's something we talk about all the time. You never know when things are going to click for players. And I can tell you, he came to spring training really a different guy. And, and having that experience to close and, you know, spitting the bit and, and, and giving some games up and getting back on, on the horse, that's all experience and it takes time. And he's really learned how to slow the game down. When he gets himself in trouble, he knows where to go now. You know, last year when he when he had some of those roadblocks and, and uh, fought some delivery things, we'd have to go on and work out some some of those issues and try to just get him to a point where he learned where where he could go to stop that bleeding and to, and to get back into making those adjustments within a pitch or two. And uh, he's it's truly remarkable what what he's doing. And you know, we still got another month of the season. Yeah. Uh, Sixty saves is not out of the question. Mm-hmm. Now a fun conversation with the Arizona Diamondbacks manager, Tori Lavella, who happens to be a former Mariner. Tori, it's a real treat to meet you and get to spend some time with you inside the home dugout here in Chase Field, your home ballpark. And some folks may or may not remember this, Tori, but you are a former Mariner. 1994, you played for the Mariners in Lou Pinella. What are your memories as a Mariner? Uh, they were, I have very fond memories of, of that time. Um, you know, Unfortunately, the season ended in a strike. I think the Mariners might have been a game out of first place. Uh, in a West that was a little wobbly. I think we were a little bit under 500, but we were just starting to play good baseball. And I just remember the, the beauty of the town that I lived in. I was up in Kirkland. Um, just that, that, that whole environment up there was pretty special. And playing for Lou Pinella is something I'll never forget. And you, know, you taught me lessons today that I, that I carry around as a manager, and, and I'm proud to say that I played in that whole organization. What do you remember the most about the Kingdom? Uh, I remember the tiles falling the whole episode <laughs> there, and we had to play a number of our games on the road that year. Uh, and, you know, for whatever reason or not, they did fall. We, we had to kind of regroup the troops as a, as a team and say that we weren't going to let that affect us. And we played pretty good baseball on the road. But I remember that it was a, it was a fairly unique place. It was a, um, you know, a very large structure. The ball seemed to carry well at certain days and other days it did not. Uh, but it was something that I was proud that I played in. Is there, a, is there a Lou moment or a Lou memory that stands out to you the most? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, you know, one time he met me at the top step after a lack of performance, and he told me if I didn't do something special by the end of the game that I'd be, I'd be sent down to the minor leagues. And I remember hitting a home run in my last at-bat and might have saved me from getting sent out. But, you know, um, there, there were the tirades with the, with the bullpen phone. It didn't want to hang up the right way, and Lou would kick it around. But it always came from a very special place. It always came from a place of passion and care and wanting to win, and that, that was Lou Pinella. You played for some really influential managers in this game. Your first manager was Sparky Anderson. 
your final manager was Terry Francona. Those two guys in particular, is there anything that you remember from what you learned from them that you employ now today as a big league skipper? Certainly. Um, you know, Sparky taught me how to respect the game. Uh, he taught me how to respect my teammates and respect the people that had played before me. Um, I remember he said to me you know, that no matter what I thought of myself or how good or bad I was at this game, was going to go on without me. Uh, it'll go on without me for many, many years and many centuries. Uh, and to, to do your job the way it's asked with inside of the team framework. And then Terry Francona, you taught me about um, the value of communication. There was nobody better for me as far as engaging with a player, whether it be for 25 seconds or, or 25 minutes. He always seemed to have time for a player, whether it was Kurt Schilling, uh, who was at the top of his game, or myself, who was you know the 25th man on that roster. He had a very special way of reaching out to players. Tori, by all accounts, your father, Sam, has been one of the most influential people on your life and has led a remarkable life and was one of the most influential people in television. Can you tell us about your father, Sam? Yeah, so my dad was um, was the executive producer of a country variety television show called Hee Haw, and everybody uh, that I say that to one way or another ends up like laughing and saying, oh my God, I remember watching that show. And you know, a lot of people do remember that show, whether it be for a great reason um, or a not so great reason. but. It was on television uh, all over the United States of America for a long time, and, and I'm very proud of what my dad did. He he seemed to have a unique way of bringing the talent together on that team on the, on that show, uh, and they were one big family. And there's some great lessons that I've learned over the course of my life from my dad, but none none more important than loving your family and creating a great atmosphere for those around you. Your childhood was not like others' childhoods. What it sounds like. No, I you know it's funny is that I think my parents did a really good job of of um, sheltering me away from what was actually going on. I just thought my dad was an ordinary man who had some friends that were on television and it was, it was, <laughs> it was no big deal for me. And I remember a fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Huffines, called me over after class and said, you know, I love the way that you approach your days, but I just need to let you know that your dad has a very unique job. He works in country music television and he meets people on TV and that doesn't happen with a lot of young kids. And um, at that point, I started to connect some dots and, and realized that I had a special upbringing. But those guys were my dad's friends and in turn, they were my friends. And to this day, some of the actors that are still living, I, I keep in contact with and, uh, and have a very special relationship with them. And Tori, finally, I know your story about Elvis is kind of like a great fishing story. It has, yeah. it has uh, kind of developed over the years, but yeah. can you tell us about you and Elvis as a child? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I didn't even really know who Elvis Presley was, but my dad came um, off of a trip from Nashville, Tennessee, where the show was filmed, back to Los Angeles, and said that he met Elvis Presley. And my sisters, who were eight and nine years older than me, or eight and ten years older than me, were going crazy. Like, like uh, they met met somebody like was equal to the president. And uh, that Elvis had invited my family to his home in Palm Springs. And uh, the, the original story that I told was that I was playing basketball with Elvis Presley, but my sisters have since corrected me <laughs> over the past several years that we watched Elvis Presley pay, play basketball. That's close enough for me. I mean, he's the best. Elvis <laughs> Presley obviously withstood the test of time, and his music is still very popular today. And what was it like for your father once you became a big leaguer as a player and then, of course, became a coach, a bench coach, and then the manager of the Diamondbacks? That's a great question. You know, my dad has shook hands with presidents and um, been invited to dinners at the White House and has met the biggest stars in the game, um, hence Elvis Presley being one of them. Uh, but when he got around the baseball players and the managers, he turned into like a 14 or 15-year-old teenager. And he was extremely proud of what, what I'd done as a player, was my biggest fan, biggest supporter. And he knew I got this job here before he passed, and we celebrated, and that was a very special time for me. Tori, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the time. Always. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.